My name is Brandon Dean. I am the assistant pastor here this morning. Uh, We are in a series of messages uh, that are looking at the vision and the values of New City Church, and specifically how they play a part in seeing God's kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pastor Ryan has already taken us through our vision, which is to live as the family of God, together demonstrating and proclaiming the gospel of grace to one another and our city. And he has taken us through our first two values. And next week, he'll be back to wrap up the series with our final value. But uh, today, uh, we're going to look at our third value, which is reconciled and reconciling. See, God greatly values relationships. Uh, He's deeply grieved when people are estranged from him and from one another. Over my many, many years, God has blessed me with with many wonderful relationships, with a great number of people who have impacted my life with their presence. And, And yet for all the good that they have brought into my world, none of them have been able to counteract the enormity of destruction that was brought about through my parents' divorce, and more particularly through the subsequent estrangement between me and my mother. Now, this began when I was only 14 years old. It it affected me profoundly. It injured all of my basic instincts. It it warped my view of the world and my view of women. It it deeply wounded my my own sense of what it means to be a man. And it even affected how I feel and think about God. I was a child when this happened, and, and so initially none of it was my fault. But as it goes, every time we allow resentment to, to take harbor inside of us, to fester inside of us, my bitterness became a sickness within me as I stubbornly continued to count my mother's trespasses against her. Over the years, though, through discipleship, relationships, God has helped me to come to a place where I've forgiven my mother, and I've healed somewhat from the damage of what happened. And yet, even though that resentment is gone now, I still find it uh, awkward and difficult to have any kind of a real relationship with her. See, I've I've told myself that it didn't matter. You know, I'm almost 50. Uh, I've lived more of my life uh, without a mom than I have with one. I've told myself that lots of people are children of divorce, and and they're just fine. And And I've told myself that Uh, many people my age have already lost their mothers. What I was really telling myself is she didn't really have much to offer me. And maybe it wasn't worth the effort of the likely pain that it would take to try and reconcile. See, I, I thought the hard work that God had in front of me was to learn how to be content with a broken, irreparable relationship and learn how to rely on him alone. 
A little while ago, we were, we were in this very room. We had just installed all of this audio video equipment, and um, Pastor Ryan, as he sometimes does, if you don't know this about him, he, he was having us listen to some of his favorite rap music. And uh, he was playing one song. It was about a, a young man who was angry with his mother. And it hit me hard. And Ryan, and Ryan and Megan, who were just trying to get out of here after a long day of working, they found themselves instead counseling a grown man who, if the truth be told, was really little more than a boy who wanted his mother. And so I find that my journey is not over yet in my relationship with my mom because God values it. In fact, he wrote a whole commandment all about it. And I'm discovering that I can't pretend forever that this broken relationship is not affecting me. And I can't deny that my own stubbornness is undoubtedly hurting her as well. Maybe you have some broken relationships in your own life. Maybe people have let you down. And you don't see how you're ever going to be able to forgive them. Or you don't see how you could ever trust them again. Or maybe you're the one who's let other people down and you don't feel worthy of their forgiveness. Or, or maybe you feel like no one will ever be able to trust me again. Or maybe it's less specific for you. Maybe there's just certain kinds of people that bring about fear or jealousy or resentment or maybe even hate within you. God cares about these estrangements. The whole of Scripture is God's plan for redemption, His plan for the reconciliation and the restoration of all of His creation. All of His creation that was distorted and disconnected because of the fall. You know, primarily He is concerned with, with drawing to Himself those people that He's been estranged from. But he values reconciliation in all types of relationships, between parents and their children, between husbands and wives, between brothers and sisters, between bosses and employees, between friends and friends. See, God values unity and brotherhood between countrymen, between different races, between the sexes, and regardless of things like skin color, political affiliation, socioeconomic status, or even religious denomination. Adam and Eve, they, they had experienced a, a perfect world. They were close to God. They walked with God in the garden. They were close to each other. They, they were close to all of creation. But their sin ushered in a time of great brokenness. And when that happened, God sat them down and, and he explained to them that there was going to be struggle. There was going to be struggle between them and nature. There was going to be struggle between themselves. And there was going to be struggle between them and the forces of evil. Yet even in that moment, God hinted at the, the ultimate resolution of all this conflict and estrangement. 
the reconciliation of all things that would come through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because we are followers of Jesus, the Apostle Paul charges us with taking up this calling as well. And he refers to it as the ministry of reconciliation. We find it in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. And this is uh, what it says. From now on, therefore, regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our big idea this morning is this. God cares deeply about restoring broken relationships. This is the basis for our value as a church, that we're reconciled and reconciling. Notice that it's a continuum. In one sense, it's a done deal. Right? It says it is, it is finished. Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. The old has passed away. The new has come. It's past tense. We're reconciled. But in another sense, it is ongoing. We are ambassadors. He is making his appeal through us, and we are implored to be reconciled. This is present tense. Paul is talking about evangelism and discipleship, carrying the message to others. And Paul is talking about sanctification, growing in our understanding of the gospel and being conformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. In other words, there's reconciliatory work to be done. God is doing the work. He is reconciling the world to himself. Our role is to be entrusted with the message of reconciliation. We are to demonstrate and proclaim the gospel of reconciliation to one another and to our city. So yes, we're reconciled and we're reconciling. And this will be our reality until the new city comes, when Jesus returns and completes his work of making all things new. All things new. Our bodies, our nature, and all of creation fully reconciled to God the Father and to one another. So this morning, as we look at the ministry of reconciliation, I, I want to focus on three types of estrangement that God cares about. And as we examine each of these, we'll take a closer look to see just how Jesus is the answer for each of them. The first is that God cares about our estrangement from him. 
The passage this morning begins by mentioning that we used to live according to the flesh. And that makes me think about Romans 8. It says this, uh, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Before we come to believe in Jesus Christ and receive his spirit, we are hostile to God. For all our striving to be good people or to bring about positive change in the world, we cannot please God because there's no life or peace. There's only hostility. In other words, before we come to Christ, we are estranged from our heavenly father. We are his enemy and everything that we do is sinful at heart. But Jesus changes everything. Romans 8.10 says, If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. This is what Paul was talking about when he said that for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And Jesus said himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is profound, right? This is such a mystery. Somehow Jesus becomes sin and we become righteousness. Even though we're God's enemies, even though we're hostile to him, we are able to come to the Father. As you hear this this morning, I'm, I'm wondering if you have a sense that maybe you've been living as an enemy of God. Or, or maybe you simply have a yearning at this point to be reconciled to the Father, but you, you don't really know how to go about inviting Him in. God wants to be in relationship with you. He doesn't expect you to make amends first or serve some kind of penance. He's not waiting on you to get your life right. His grace and his mercy are free gifts. You don't deserve them. And there's nothing you could ever do to earn them. But they're yours if you'll accept them. Simply because he loves you and he wants to be in relationship with you. If you find yourself believing this this morning, or, or even if you just want to believe it, come, come see me after the gathering. I'd love to talk with you further about it and to pray with you. Many of us have already accepted this gift, and, and we have been reconciled to the Father through Jesus. And, and we're a church that values remembering what Christ has done for us. Our vision says that we proclaim the gospel to one another. This is because we need to be reminded of the gospel daily because it is so easy for us to forget it. To abide in Jesus, to walk by the Spirit, means that we have to take the time to consider what we know about Jesus. 
Romans 6, 6, and also verse 11, this is what it says. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, so what does it mean to consider? What does it mean to consider what we know? This Bible, it's all about Jesus. The Old Testament, every word of it is about preparing us for the coming of the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. And the New Testament is all about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and what that means for his church. This is what we know. And when we truly take the time to consider this, to to not only know what it says, but to dwell on it, to mediate or to meditate on it, to discover how it's relevant for our life today, uh, this is when our, our Christian walk moves beyond the what would Jesus do bracelets or the, the let go and let God bumper stickers. It's when our walk moves beyond that and it becomes the beginning of truly abiding in him and walking in his spirit. Gaining knowledge is important, but truly considering it, that's where it really comes alive. And there's a third step to this that I'll I'll get to in a moment, but first I I just want to ask you this. When was the last time that you shared with a Christian friend about the gospel? When was the last time that you told it to yourself? See, I think we, we need to increase our gospel fluency. We need to become so comfortable and familiar with speaking it, that it becomes second nature to reach for it in times of temptation and when we're ministering to others. So let's practice it right now. I know some of us are kind of spread out, but just turn to a person near you and say, you are dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus. Now, remember that. And, and later this week, spend some time dwelling on those words and what it means. God cares about our estrangement with him, but he also cares about our estrangement within ourselves. When, when we were enemies of God and we considered everything according to the flesh, we had within us only one nature— the sin nature. But once we were reconciled to God and the Spirit came to dwell within us, we have two natures. We have the sin nature and the Spirit nature. When when Jesus and the Spirit come into our life, we can't help but be transformed. And in a very real sense, we are born again and we are a new person. And often these changes are dramatic and obvious, so much so that we barely recognize our former self. 
But inevitably, that old sin nature just creeps back to the forefront. And before it, we're doing things and engaging in behaviors that do not demonstrate the new life that we have within. And in this way, we become estranged within ourselves. Look at what Paul says about this uh, in Corinthians 5.17 or 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Years and years ago, when I was just beginning to discern my calling into ministry, I realized that I had a very serious problem with a particular sin. I knew that God hated my sin, and so every time I would mess up, I would, I would promise God that it was the last time. But time and time again, I broke that promise. And eventually, I, I realized I had to own up to it, and I, I plucked up the courage to tell my pastor and the elders of, of my church about it, and even though I, I kind of suspected that this would mean I was... I would not be allowed to pursue my calling further. 2 Corinthians 5.17 was the verse that they quoted to me that day. They said, Brandon, the old man has gone. The new man has come. And if you're truly a believer, you're not going to struggle with sin. The trick was, I was told, was to truly believe God's promise. And in that moment, I did believe it. But later that same day, I again broke my promise to God and I sinned. But now I I not only felt guilty about it, but I also doubted my very salvation. They meant well. They gave me some really bad theology in that moment. See, it seemed to me that my Bible was broken. God's word wasn't working the way that it was supposed to. Not too long after that, I was on my knees. I was telling God, you need to start keeping your promises if you want me to keep mine. Fortunately, God didn't hold my little tantrum against me. He he sent me a mentor instead who who helped me to, to see the truth of his word in a proper context. You see, I am a new creation. And if you are in Christ, you're a new creation as well. But as new creations who continue to exist, at least for the time being, in a broken world and in broken bodies, we will continue to have to contend with the sin nature. The Apostle Paul wrote about his struggle with sin Romans 7, 18 through 20, he says, I I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Paul goes on to call this a war being waged within him, a war between the old man and the new, between the sin nature and the spirit nature. 
See, we are estranged within ourselves and we're in need of continual reconciliation with the new person that we are supposed to be. Now, maybe that sounds like bad news to you. And Paul certainly felt that way. In verse 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? His own body, the body of death. But he gives us the hope-filled answer immediately in the next verse, which is, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let me ask you this. Does your Bible seem broken? Do you, do you read these verses and think, you know, I believe what the Word says, but it just never seems to actually work? Do you try and try and try to be good, and yet it seems that you are more old self than new self? Remember, it is God who is doing the work of reconciliation. Our part is being entrusted with the message of reconciliation. So when it comes to the war being waged within us, we need to stop fighting in our own strength. And we need to remind ourselves of the message that we have already surrendered to the one who is fighting on our behalf. We know that Jesus is the answer and, and that abiding in him and Walking by his spirit is the method. Jesus said that apart from him, we can do nothing. And in Galatians 5, it tells us that if we walk by the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We already talked about how we have to consider what we know about Jesus. And, and this is the first part of abiding in him. It's how we walk. Uh, this is the first part of abiding in him and how we walk by the Spirit. It's the, the intellectual piece, right? But, but knowing it is not enough. We, we have to take that 18-inch journey, right, between the head and the heart. We have to move beyond the intellectual. We have to embrace what we know. We have to embrace what we have taken that time to deeply consider, Romans 6.13 gives us this final piece. It says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Abiding in Christ, walking by His Spirit, involves responding to what we have considered by submitting ourselves to Jesus. Ourselves and our members. Well, what are our members? It's our hands and our feet and our eyes and our ears and our mouths. What does it mean to present them to God as instruments of righteousness? This isn't difficult. This is very simple. We tell God that they are his to use for his purposes. And this is not a, a once and for all kind of thing, right? Have you, have you ever heard that story of the elderly couple who goes for marital counseling? They've been married for, you know, 50 or 60 years and, 
And the wife tells the counselor, she says, I'm so unhappy he never tells me that he loves me. And the counselor looks to the husband and says, well, why, why don't you tell her? And he says, look, on the day we got married, I told her that I loved her. And if anything ever changes, she'll be the first to know. It doesn't really work, right? See, our submission to God, our, our need to present our members to Him as instruments for righteousness, this needs to be done often. It needs to be done daily. And it's not because God is insecure and needs the reassurance, but because we need to be continually reconciled to the new self within us. God cares about the estrangement within ourselves, but he also cares about our estrangement from others. We've already discovered that God is the one who is doing the reconciliation, yet we're told that he not only reconciled us to himself, but he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It is a gift to be invited into the ministry, to be asked to join the God of the universe in the building of his kingdom. And we do this by demonstrating and proclaiming the gospel of grace to others. We have been reconciled to God, and he is continually reconciling us to himself as we struggle with the old sin nature. And that is what we are called to show to others. It does no good to put on masks. I know that's a controversial statement right now, but <laughs> it does no good to put on masks for us to pretend to be perfect and then try to get people to come join us. They're going to see right through it and they're going to distrust us. Or worse, they're going to believe us and they'll know that they'll never be able to live up to our standards. We need to reach out to those estranged from God, though they do not deserve it, though it may mean laying down our rights and privileges. We need to do that because that is exactly what Jesus did for us. He died for us while we were still sinners. He became sin, though he knew no sin. The old creation, our sin nature, it wants to regard others according to the flesh, just as we used to regard Jesus according to the flesh before we believed. This means that we would determine the value of someone by worldly standards, by the color of their skin, or the culture that they come from or their socioeconomic status, the friends that they hang out with, the family that they come from, their sex, their education, their religious denomination. The list goes on and on and on of how we choose to categorize people. But the new creation, our spirit nature, regards people solely by God's standard. And it's called the Imago Dei. And what it means is that all people are made in the image of God and are therefore entitled 
to dignity. In part, we go about the ministry of reconciliation by calling those who are estranged from God to be reconciled through accepting Jesus Christ. That's all about the gospel, right? But the gospel cannot be divorced from the Great Commission, which says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The gospel cannot be divorced from the Great Commission. The Great Commission cannot be divorced from the entirety of Christ's teaching and example. Jesus' example was to lay down his life for others. And this included emptying himself of his rights and his privileges as the very God of the universe and coming instead in the form of a servant. And his teaching was clearly that our neighbors, you know, the ones that we're supposed to be serving, our neighbors even include those from groups and cultures that we are estranged from. Jesus chose to plant his church in a, in a season of racial and religious unrest. We even saw the apostles Peter and Paul struggling as they, as they worked to bring together the Jews and the Gentiles. And we still live in, in a broken world. And we're not going to see it restored until Jesus returns. And yet when Jesus left, he, he didn't leave us with the instruction to do nothing and wait. He told the first disciples that they should wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit and that with his help, they should make disciples of all nations. Well, the Spirit is here and he's with us. And to be a follower of Jesus is to be obedient to the Great Commission. And in so doing, we demonstrate the gospel of reconciliation. So what is our responsibility as Jesus ambassadors to the world. It is to evangelize, but it is also to make disciples. And it is also to love our neighbor as ourselves. The ministry of reconciliation encompasses all of this. It is not just proclaiming the gospel, it is also demonstrating it. And so when we encounter injustice or inequality, in this broken world, if we do nothing, we are failing to show God's love to the world. And remember, showing love to one another is one of the evidences that we have eternal life. The Apostle John went so far as to say that if we have the world's goods and do not help those in need, we cannot truly say that we have God's love within us. This is all about the gospel. Now, I know we, we live in a time of great estrangement between us and others. And it seems that we are more divided racially and politically and religiously than ever before. And perhaps you have strong opinions about the causes and possible solutions for this. Maybe you're just tired of it and wish that everyone would stop bringing it up. Or maybe you just don't know what to think. 
you don't know what to do. And this is all I'm going to say about it. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And that means that we have a great opportunity right now to minister to others. And we can do so by following Jesus' example. We stop counting people's trespasses against them. We lay down our lives. We lay down our right to be right. We lay down our preferences. We lay down our comfort for the sake of serving others in the simple hope that maybe we could just be in relationship with them. Now, we do it without compromising the truth of the Bible. But we do it also without using the Bible as a bludgeoning tool. What does this look like for you right now? Who in your life are you estranged from? What are the barriers that are keeping you from being in right relationship with them? Are you waiting for them to get right with you first? Are are you waiting for them to admit that they're wrong? Are you expecting them to pay some kind of penance to earn your favor and your forgiveness? My challenge to all of us today is to think deeply about these broken relationships. Whether they be with specific individuals or just with whole groups of people. Could we think deeply about them and then ask ourselves this question? Are we treating them the way Jesus treated us when we first came to him? At New City Church, we value being reconciled and reconciling. It's it's such amazingly good news that God has restored us to right relationship with himself and we can't help but carry that message to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we love you and we thank you for what you have done for us. That you became sin though you knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Lord, that is a mystery that we cannot comprehend or understand and yet we believe it. And so, Lord, as we, as we consider what it is you have done for us, Lord, I would ask that um, you would use us as your instruments of righteousness. That you would do a work within us to enable us to lay down our lives for the sake of others, even those with whom we disagree. That we would... Take the time to reach out to try to restore broken relationships through the power of your spirit in the hopes that we can be in relationship with others and that we will see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, here in Lawrenceville, and in our families as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.